to the nomcast the netflix original movie podcast i am your host andrew morgan you can follow the show at nomcast pod on twitter and instagram and you can check us out on the web at nomcastpod.com all right thanks for joining us as always we have another banger of an episode action-packed if you will uh, because today we're going to do nothing but action, guys. It's it's a, a big action weekend for Netflix as they kicked off uh, their big season for that with Outside the Wire from uh, Anthony Mackie producing and starring in that one came out over the weekend, so we will talk about that. Um, but today uh, I have special guest uh, who loves to do these long-winded previews with me, of course, on top of the fact that uh, he's a huge action movie fan. So the best guy to bring on, Shane Beauregard of Media Mosh. How are you, sir? Woo! Doing well. Thank you for having me on. I am pumped up and ready to roll. Action is one of my genres, and I appreciate you letting me on your show once again. First time in 2021. Yeah, absolutely, man. Hell of a way to start. Um, and wow, I, I'm sure you've seen it maybe multiple times. It went around on the internet, uh, just after the new year kicked off. Netflix did it again. They just basically put their cards on the table. They did this massive sizzle reel that kind of showed all of the movies they have, regardless of genre, just, you know, touting they're going to do one big movie a week. It seems like all year long, which is a massive undertaking. I mean, 20, <laughs> 2020 was pretty close to doing that already, if not basically doing that. Um, but this just seems like they're stepping up on all fronts. Uh, so when you saw the real, because that's part of why this all came together. Like they have a big action movie coming out that, uh, they, that came out this past weekend. And then now there's a huge slate of movies that was in this sizzle reel. So when you saw it, like what was your reaction to, to what they're touting coming up? I was, uh, I was pretty impressed, but you know, my first thought was it reminded me when I was a kid and we had HBO. Cause remember HBO used to preview a new movie every Saturday night. Yep. It would be like oh, the yeah. premiere. And when I watched the sizzle reel and it's like, we're going to release a new movie every Friday it just brought me back <laughs> to those years. Like, this is really cool. Like yeah. we get a new release every Friday. Yeah. And for, you know, and for some of them, I'm really excited about some, you know, a lot of what I saw in there and not even all the action ones, but there was an Amy Adams movie that was supposed to come out in theaters. I didn't realize Netflix uh, purchased that movie. Yeah. Woman in the window. Yeah. Yeah. I was very excited to see that last year. So I am, I'm pumped up and stoked out about what Netflix is doing here. And they kind of have to, I think. Oh yeah. Like we'll get to that in a minute, but yeah, they, they capped it off with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence in the same movie. And for anyone who wants to look up that film, ladies and gentlemen, my God, it's Adam McKay directing who I uh, love his work. And if you look at the cast, it is easily like 20 people deep of people oh, you know so absolutely it is an incredible incredible display and that, that sizzle reel happened to be uh hosted if you will uh by the rock gal gadot and ryan reynolds for good reason because 
the the action slate of what they have coming up not only features all of them, but it's kind of the biggest deal, I would say, of a lot of the stuff they have in the preview. Like it's a typical Netflix year. Like you have you're gonna have your rom coms, you know, your YA stuff. You're gonna have probably a a few you know, more prestige films come through. But this particular reel seemed to really highlight that they were going to drop the bomb on, on the action genre. And I have a few theories on that. I want to, you know, take your temperature on that um, because you mentioned it a little bit. You mentioned HBO in kind of a remembrance sense, but present day, they also will be kind of the the biggest impetus for all this for for them to step up their game uh, because the WB slate is now all going, I will say hypothetically, because there's a lot of lawsuits going on. They kind of pulled the the rug out of a lot of people when they did it. But hypothetically, all the WB movies for the year of 2021 are now going to HBO Max. And that is big competition and especially for a lot of franchise stuff uh you know a lot of big name stuff big ip stuff that is probably the one thing that netflix doesn't have a ton of so how do they compete big effing stars and big effing explosions um because i mean what did we not have in 2020 shane you couldn't go to a movie theater and see shit blow up that's what we do. We do eventized movies. We can't see the Marvel stuff. We couldn't see DC and end up going to HBO Max. You know, right. and, and that stuff is for the foreseeable future is where things are going. And stuff like the Bond films, Fast and Furious stuff, all got pushed back, continues to be pushed back. So Netflix kind of goes, well, we have the money and we already shot these things. So we're smarter than everybody. And here we're going to show it in one big clip reel. And so uh, do you see the game as the way the gambit here, the streaming wars as I see it? Because that's to me, they're like, we can do what you do and we're going to do it where people don't have to leave in the middle of a pandemic. Right. No, I feel exactly the same way. I feel like Netflix's re response was spot on because at first, honestly, before HBO uh, made that announcement that they're going to do the same day theater release. Yeah. I wasn't sweating HBO Max, to be honest with you. I, I wasn't going to get it. I still don't have it. Like, I'm sorry, Justice League Zack Snyder is not going to make me get it. <laughs> uh, neither is Wonder Woman right now. Right. But I, I'll be sitting here and lying because I'm a, <laughs> I'm a huge Godzilla fan. So that movie's on my perk. I'm like, I might have to just get it for that. But uh, that set aside, I think Netflix is, it, it, again, it's the appropriate response. I think they're doing what they need to do. And I think they've always been a step ahead of all the other streaming services. Yeah, so. that's kind of their thing. And that's how they've stayed potent. Remember this time last year, people were like, all right, the streaming wars are really going to kick into high gear. Disney had just launched, you know, the whispers of an HBO Max was kind of coming out. And they're like, oh, and, and you know, Disney now owns Hulu. So they're going to get a lot more stuff. And a lot of that came to fruition. But. Netflix was like, yo, but we saw this coming like for years. So we just kept taking more money, slowly building up the budgets, getting contracts, getting stuff done. Because a lot of these uh, movies that they're about, you know, we're about to preview here later in the episode have been shot, you know, all pre pandemic. Like they were wrapped as late as maybe February 2020, but they were done 
before it became a big deal. And so, you know, Netflix continues to impress me, at least, for the fact of how much stuff, the quantity of stuff that they were able to get in the can, regardless of whether, you know, things were in in limbo or got pushed back. You know, everybody else is kind of suffering the woes of the pandemic. They don't seem to slow down. <laughs> there, there is none of that at all. Yeah, they're a steamroller. And I feel like now they're getting actors kind of like in their, like when I think of Netflix now, I kind of think Mark Wahlberg. I kind of think Ryan Reynolds. Right. He did Six Underground. I'm thinking Chris Hemsworth. So, I mean, they are, to yeah. me, uh, attracting some of the biggest stars out there that they continue to work with. So Yeah, I mean, like we already talked about with the HBO Max stuff, I mean, you're talking they have the DC, you know, the DCEU stuff. Uh, Marvel is obviously part of the, the Disney Plus package. But basically, you know, Netflix is being smart here by kind of developing stuff that is, you know, outside of those realms but basically i'm still gonna steal all your stars like uh, so here's a here's a quick kind of recap of you know not only what here's what netflix has done over the years basically to start off with they didn't really care about action like that like those first few years that they were a studio it seemed like they were like we can make some originals here or we can make some acquisitions but we don't have the budgets yet. They had a lot of money, but not anywhere near where they are now. So they started to, to kick in and make some original movies. But you would see stuff like, you know, the Sandler version of an action movie or, you know, uh, your man Frank Grillo making right. appearances, getting stuff. I will not, you know, t- take Wheelman down a peg. I still want to do that with you at some point because um, I enjoyed it. But, you know. It's those type of movies. It's a little smaller stuff. It's it's how it ends or, you know, Game Over Man or stuff like that. Like, it's small stuff. And then they made a big splash with Bright, you know, bringing in a Will Smith, and they spent a truckload of money. But now that kind of seems not quaint, but it, it kind of looked like the start of something, but it's definitely not where they are now. And then last year... They really started, or excuse me, 2019 is when they started to really kick it in because that's when they started acquiring basically all the superhero guys, all the big time action guys. Because you got a Chris Evans movie with Red Sea Diving Resort. Uh, you have, uh, you know, I, Frank Grillo is part of the the MCU, but not a uh, a right. big part. But him and Anthony Mackie, who we'll talk about later, uh, being in Point Blank together. Plus, he was also in Altered Carbon and, and had IO and all these other ones. So you start seeing the Mackieverse that they're building <laughs> uh, in the Netflix region. Um, and then Polar is is a comic book film. So you start to see that they're going to dive into some of those IPs. And then, you know, after getting the star study Triple Frontier, which didn't seem to be as popular or have any legs, but huge stars uh, with at least Affleck, which is part of the DC or at least was at some point. And then Six Underground is, I feel, the big turning point here. Six Underground feels like you got Michael Bay. You're now committing to large scale, big budget action again. And that you're getting Ryan Reynolds. You're making a, like, I think it, it was a huge budget. I know it was at least probably like 150 mil. We talked about it at the time. I don't have it right in front of me, but 
a huge amount of money and something that they're going to try to start making sequels out of. They're trying to franchise now uh, with the thought of Six Underground. They might make a Bright 2. They've kicked that around a long time. But I think by this point, I know I'll speak for myself, I don't really care. Uh, so <laughs> Six Underground uh, you know, sequel sounds interesting. It's fine. I'll take another Michael Bay movie, um, at least for the action's sake. But everything else, you know, we'll see. Um, but then 2020, uh, you're seeing the real step up. So you got more, uh, you know, comic book stuff with the old guard, last days of American crime. Uh, you know, you got the big time, uh, you know, extraction was a huge hit for them. So you got Hemsworth on the bill with the Russo brothers who were, you know, key components of the Marvel game. And then, you know, like you said, like Mark Wahlberg and Spencer Confidential is a big time action movie. Uh, they even got prestige stuff with uh, Defy Bloods. They got kind of like a war action movie out of that. And, you know, stuff like Project Power towards the end of the year. You know, you got Jamie Foxx, big star, big type of like, you know, kind of superhero ish stuff there, too. They they just kept going. And then, of course, my favorite time to hunt. You know, it needs to always be mentioned. Um, so, you know, they they committed way more to the action genre in there. And then, of course, you know, we're about to preview what they have coming up. But it's because HBO Max is a thing now. It's a big wrecker. You, you mentioned Godzilla. You got Matrix 4, Mortal Kombat, Suicide Squad, and potentially Dune if... Uh, if Denis Villeneuve doesn't get his way <laughs> where it'll never see the light of day. So now that you kind of see the landscape there, where do you see this kind of going? And do you think this is something that's going to go forward here, Shane? I just echo a lot of the stuff of what you said. I think the turning point was six underground, even though I personally could not stand that movie. <laughs> I'm like a lot of levels, but no, that was the first like really big budget. Hey, we have Ryan Reynolds. It's a Michael Bay film. And then 2020, when I looked at the list, I was like, man, and you're talking about sequels. Like, I want to see an extraction, too. <laughs> I want to see the old guard, too. Yeah, you know what I mean? Same. So I do think they are setting themselves up. And I heard there was a Spencer, a Spencer Confidential, too, already being hammered out. I don't know if you've heard on that. I not. haven't, but it wouldn't sh uh, shock me because I know when we did the, um, the Netflix top 10 stuff, uh, like when they released their numbers, I think it was sort of in the summer or towards the end of uh 2020 they were like this is what was big and what was big was definitely extraction definitely spencer confidential um weirdly the wrong missy i remember being there as well uh for 2020 movies um but definitely the the action stuff stood out and i know uh six underground was on that top list like all-time list you know so basically reading the tea leaves of that listing on top of what they're projected to do this year and how they and wrapped up 2020 they're clearly in they know what works on their on their platform and is just gonna kill it going forward yeah so i think they're going in the right direction with the franchising of things and looking at the sizzle reel 2021 um i'm so on board with just about everything i'm looking at and you brought up the russo brothers and i know they have a project with chris evans and ryan gosling that i'm I forgot the name of it, but I'm yeah, really the, looking forward the to the gray that. man. Yeah. We talked yes. about that uh, in one of our preview kind of episodes when it was announced and yeah, it's huge. I mean, the Russo brothers between producing extraction, having that 
come out. I mean, they're, they're doing a lot of projects everywhere, but a lot of stuff for Netflix. It's very exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, like we're, we're looking at a lot of big budget stuff. I know, you know, for how much people kind of, uh, complain about, uh, the recent, you know, Netflix going up a few bucks a month and everything else, you know, I mean, to be honest, all they did was match HBO Max's price, to be honest, uh, for the average person, if you're not paying for like huge, uh, you know, 4K or, or multiple screens in the household stuff. So for what you get, they're giving you brand new stuff every single week on top of whatever, you know, library catalog stuff that they have at the time, which, you know, the one thing that I think HBO Max has before obviously all this stuff that's going to come out in 2021 the big thing that they have is they have an impressive impressive library between uh turner classic movie stuff all the warner brothers stuff coming into the fold like we mentioned the matrix four the first three movies are there uh you're supposed to have long term you know stuff like all the harry potter movies and all the you know uh the dc movies and you know everything should come back to them and then just everything warner brothers has done for a long long time they're a very old studio with a lot of stuff that you're like oh wow yeah i forgot that that's warner brothers product and so they have an impressive back catalog on top of obviously having all the established hbo stuff which never slows down as well so it, it's a great partnership for them they're they're doing a good job they really botched their their launch uh you know i think the they got saved by the fact that they put something like wonder woman in there it kind of forced their hand to to get better at marketing <laughs> this right. thing i mean when you roll out something and you're like hey so remember how you had hbo go hbo now hbo uh like regular hbo so all that's gonna go away also you might not have hbo max to replace it just quite yet also if you still have go yes you are a hbo max subscriber but we didn't explain that right away oh by the way if you have hbo you also have hbo max but we didn't explain that right away so like they kind of just did this like you know tripping over themselves version of a launch which now but now they're on more solid footing and the and the subscribers go up and up and up you know more with all these announcements of the movies that we already had mentioned um but with that said, you know, Netflix is trying to go, you know, in lockstep here. So where where I think we're going to go with this, Shane, I know you're on board for anything. We're going to go right into uh, a lot of the movies that they put on that sizzle reel. We're going to kind of do a preview of, I believe we have seven titles here that are going to, you know, really pique people's interests. A lot of big names, a lot of big directors. Um, and <laughs> I can't believe the one old blast from the past that's on here, too. I, I'm going to get such a kick out of it when we bring it up. But so we're going to go into that right now. Uh, and then later on, uh, for anybody who did see uh, the the first launch, uh, which is Outside the Wire, uh, the Anthony Mackie film over the weekend, Shane and I will do the full uh, breakdown of that at the tail end. So stay with us for all the preview stuff, and then we'll get to Outside the Wire at the very end of the episode. 
Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Dave. And join us every Thursday for a new episode of Two Player Bros, a podcast about two guys who play way too many video games. Join me and Dave as we talk about the latest in Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and VR news, previews, and reviews. We have it all, and we play it all. And join us every other week for Post Game, where we play through and dive deep into our favorite modern classics and new releases. That's Two Player Bros, available every Thursday wherever you get your podcast. part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Let's get into it, Shane. I am super excited. Once I saw this sizzle reel, I lost my mind on some of these, and I think the action ones definitely speak for themselves. Some of these I already knew were coming. Uh, there's actually a very good Wikipedia entry for that someone keeps updating anytime someone, something is even vaguely announced. Um, and what the first one we're going to talk about, I heard this coming down the pike for a long time, and it is very exciting to see, you know, Zack Snyder step out of the DCEU finally and make something whole cloth, something, you know, that he is co-writing uh, Army of the Dead. And I, I saw this listing for a long time. I didn't fully know who was going to be in it at the time, but the stuff that was in the sizzle reel was impressive. A lot of the people here are quite impressive. It's his first film uh, that's non-DC since Sucker Punch, which I believe is 2011. Um, by the way, that is not an endorsement for Sucker Punch, just <laughs> labeling the facts here. Uh, and it's also the first film for Snyder since his daughter's death. And so, you know, it's hopefully a nice comeback for him here. See what Netflix uh has because they took over the project from Warner uh, Warner Brothers in 2019. So this is something that probably could end up on HBO Max, but instead will end up on Netflix. Um, when you saw the footage from this or when you first heard about this, what was your reaction? Uh, this is one of the ones I'm looking forward to the most. One, I do like, overall, I like Zack Snyder. I do. The man can direct action. He has no problem with that. And based on the theme of this movie, in the way I thought he did one of the best horror remakes of Dawn of the Dead. Um, I think this is right in his wheelhouse. Sure. Um, I love the cast. I'm a big Batista fan. Um, so I was on board. I am on board with Zack Snyder. I think he does more good than, in my opinion, he puts out more good stuff than bad stuff. So I think he's very capable, and I'm very excited to see where he takes this movie. Yeah, I think he's very good with specific genres as well, and I think he has a specific style. I didn't love his stamp on the DCEU. I will I will put that out first and foremost, but as a person who has a 300 poster sitting to his right, uh, <laughs> sitting in this room that I'm in right now, and then on top of it, you're right, I do like the Dawn of the Dead remake. So I think he has a lot of style and can bring a lot to the table, or he has in the past. So I haven't fully given up on him. I am also a slight Watchmen apologist, too. I don't think it's as good as the HBO show, but I think it's a very watchable movie until the end, which I thought he really kind of tripped over himself and botched a little. I think it has a lot of third act issues, but that first two acts showed a lot of what he's good at. So like you said... It's a zombie film. It's an action film. Right. This is something that we're not going to take super serious. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know the plot, it is uh, following a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas, of course. A group of mercenaries take the ultimate gamble, venturing into the quarantine zone. I buzzword. Sorry, I should have said triggering for quarantine. Uh, to pull off the greatest heist ever attempted. So 
it's a heist film on top of being a zombie action film. Uh, like you said, Dave Batista's here. So again, he uh, Netflix is collecting more action comic book heroes from Marvel and DC by getting Drax himself to be in here. Uh, there's also Ana de la Guerra, uh, who I will always know as the nun in Nacho Libre, uh, but she uh, has been in quite a few things over the years <laughs> that kind of maybe best serves her. I know she was also in Narcos, and she's done some Netflix stuff for them before. Uh, Garrett Dillahunt, which is kind of like a perfect character actor in every <laughs> action movie i feel like i've ever seen um he was in wheelman with your man frank grillo uh he was in looper and he was also in burn notice kind of feels that same vibe that action guy vibe you know that kind of dickhead that's always in in all these movies and then one thing i did want to mention um Tignataro's in this movie um, as a as a comedian myself, I love Tignataro as a comedian. I find it wild that she's in here. Uh, and the story behind that is she took over for Chris Delia, who all his parts were shot. But then that story came out about him being kind of like, you know, sexual predator for young girls and and all this and kind of sexual harassment stuff on top of it um so they basically just green screen tignataro into this movie and replaced all his parts so i will be fascinated to see how they pulled that off uh and and if they had to do some reshoots or anything else to kind of complete this one uh but yeah i agree with you i am i am excited for this one regardless of what I think of Zack Snyder's uh, DC movies, uh, which I'm not the biggest fan of. But it's also the co-writer here is with Snyder is Shea Hatton, who uh, wrote John Wick 3. So at least there's enough stuff here outside of Snyder that maybe makes this thing cook for me on the page. So I will definitely look forward to this. They're saying, you know, mid-2021 for this one. So I'm guessing a lot of these, There, this might be a summer blockbuster, I would imagine. You know, right, I'm thinking May or June. I think so, too. This movie. I, you know, because we're going to go through all these, but I can definitely see them kind of doing kind of what they did this year. Like, Extraction was a little bit early, but I wonder if that was like, hey, the movie's done. Let's put it on the platform because right. it's the quarantine period or all that. Um, but because I think that was what March was extraction. I want to say it was either late February or early March. It was yeah. one of the one or the other. Yeah. yeah, it was definitely during the quarantine time, but not too far in. So I think it right. was like March. Um, and then you know, then they had kind of like all the summer stuff with Old Guard and Last Days of American Crime and defy bloods and and project power and all those like they they really kind of packed the summer this year uh and i'm sure that this will be also just an even bigger summer that they're just gonna try to blow people away while we're in the remnants of this kind of like at home quarantine not really going to the movies thing because you see stuff like bond for instance uh was supposed to come out in april and they just pushed that again so i think you're going to keep seeing that um, and Netflix is going to take full advantage. Oh, absolutely. Yep. All right. So the next one here is kind of the, the elder statesman that I was laughing about. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and Shane just showed the big enthusiasm for it on his end. Um, this movie is called the last mercenary. It stars 
Jean-Claude Van Damme. That is right. JCVD is coming to Netflix um, in a French-language action comedy that has him playing a former Secret Service agent who must urgently return to France when his estranged son is falsely accused of arms and drug trafficking following a blunder by an overzealous bureaucrat and a mafia operation. I am all in. I don't care if this is trash. I like, you know, what's the beauty about Netflix and especially covering this podcast. It kind of gives me license to watch trash that I normally wouldn't watch. And I mean, I say that word trash with love because right. you and I, you know, are, are akin in terms of like watching like w- what we grew up on, you know, kind of like the, the, bad over-the-top action of the 80s and early 90s you know mid 90s and then the horror genre you know watching a lot of b stuff that you just hold a candle to even though it's it maybe isn't worth it to most of the average person um and you know that kind of this falls right in line with that you grew up on van damme you grew up on seagal you grew up on you know chuck norris and you know all these like crazy nonsense action films and bless Netflix heart. We get one of our own. What do you think here? Uh, yeah, I, I am all in. I love JCVD, man. Like I, I love him. And when I read the subscription, my first thought was like, I wonder who his son is going to be played by. Like, I haven't looked that up yet. Like who the actor is that plays his son. Yeah. I didn't go too hard in the paint on that because of the whole French language thing. Right. I figured I wasn't, I didn't really notice but any names i i think at this point in his career he obviously doesn't take himself too seriously anymore sure so he's able to like you know point a finger at himself and kind of laugh right uh, that's why the movie jcvd i thought was very underrated and then the amazon show he briefly had was actually very entertaining like yeah. i think it's called like i am john claude or something yeah i believe so. so now that he's in this stage of his career i again i think he points a finger at himself and can make fun of himself and he's light about it so that's why i'm excited about this because he's in a different place in his career and i think it's going to come through i think this movie's going to be a little better than what people are going to think yeah out the shoot. yeah let's hope right i mean <laughs> i'm going to end up covering it on some level anyway i'm sure you will for media mosh as well uh so yeah it's definitely something to to just sit back and just enjoy you know, like turn right. your, I, I hate the turn your brain off thing, but the, the one thing that this does regardless is not only does it bring back a big name into the Netflix family, but it also shows one other part of this whole action uh, plot line here. Action travels. Action is a global genre that plays everywhere. And that is one thing that Netflix is being more and more conscious of. Uh, as things go on here because they keep acquiring more and more global you know subscribers that they're they're catering to a lot of different people not just americans at this point so this kind of bridges both that if you're an american who loves jean-claude van damme is willing to watch you know subtitles or bad dub whatever for (laughs) french language stuff and then also you know, it appeals to people who know the native language or just love him all over the world, which there are tons of people who do. Um, I think it's a win for them. I, I'm sure they didn't spend a ton of money, but it's a very smart move on their part. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Echo exactly what you said. I love seeing him in the fold. 
And like you, what we grew up on, I still get crap for this. I still watch the Expendable movies. Yeah. I like them. I'm not going to apologize for them. And I know that drives some people up a wall, <laughs> but it is what it is. I mean, You're definitely not alone, man. I, I like the first couple. I always like seeing that who they're going to add in next. It's like this rotating right. cast, you know, of just who's going to show up that you haven't seen in 20 years. So right. it, it, it's a beauty. Um, so like I said, looking forward to that. That's the last mercenary. A lot of these are just kind of labeled mid, uh, 2021. Uh, so like I said, probably in the summer, you know, you get to see more and more, you know, kick ass from, from Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, the next one is comes from kind of like the, the comedic action comedy, uh, which we don't get too many. Like you can kind of see like, you know, Hobbs and Shaw, like the, fast franchise plays a little fast and loose that it is comedic you know same thing kind of like with six underground or these other ones where they kind of blend comedy into the action but this one you're actually pulling you know a, a true comedic actor into the fold here this one is thunder force uh writer director ben falcone uh who did you know super intelligence just came out for hbo max uh, Life of the Party, The Boss, Tammy. Uh, you're probably sensing a theme here uh, because those are all Melissa McCarthy movies. And she is the star of this one as well, alongside Octavia Spencer, Melissa Leo, and Palm Clementif, I believe her name is, uh, who plays Mantis in the MCU. So adding yet another uh, MCU or DCU comic book character into the Netflix family. And the reason why you see these pair happen all the time because this is a husband and wife team. Falcone and Melissa McCarthy are real life uh, husband and wife. And they have now teamed up. I believe this is their sixth film together um, for a superhero comedy. Uh, in a world terrorized by supervillains, one woman has developed the process to give superpowers to regular people. But when scientist Emily Stanton accidentally imbues her estranged best friend with incredible abilities the two women must become the first superhero team now it is up to thunder force to battle these superpowered miscreants and save chicago from the clutches of the king so i don't know how you feel about any of this stuff i i, I have no idea how you feel about melissa mccarthy in general or her films or any of the ones that were listed her collaborations here uh shane but I'll be very honest. I liked M Melissa McCarthy very early on. I'm a Gilmore Girls fan. I don't care who knows it. Suki forever. You know, like we're, I'm totally all on board with that. I will not apologize at all. Uh, some of the best writing ever in that show. But, you know, to be honest, a lot of the films, all the ones that I mentioned, I haven't seen a one because a lot of them I've heard, you know, negative reviews and I'm not that huge. You know, give me bridesmaids, give me some of these other like performances of her. Totally, I'm in. Um, but I guess uh, this is kind of a you know black hole for me. Where do you land on on her and maybe Ben Falcone altogether? I yeah, out of the whole sizzle reel, this is like lower on my list, and it's not because of I'll watch it because of McCarthy and Spencer. Yeah, I, I love them both. Gonna, yeah, right. I think they're gonna make a good pair. I am I'm, I'm literally 50-50 on Melissa McCarthy. Unfortunately, all the movies I dislike or I don't like from her, it's because her husband wrote the movies directly. <laughs> like Tammy and the boss, they're just almost unwatchable. Yeah. Like I like her in like the heat. Right. Um that's the Sandra like Bullock said, one. Yeah. Yeah. Like Bridesmaids. 
Like she has talent. I like her. I just don't like any of the movies that her husband writes for her. Like Spy with Jason Statham. I thought that that was a funny movie to me. Right. I don't know if you ever saw that one. I haven't. No. Yeah, that is worth checking out. So I like her in those roles, but the roles her husband writes for I just don't like. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just so that's what gets, hits. You know, that's what for me. I hit pause on this because of that aspect. But because of Spencer McCarthy, I'm going to watch it. Right. Uh, where do you fall and i I have a little bit of a a problem with this i guess maybe a little bit problem strong but like something about movies that are like comic book stuff but like aren't based on any comic books when we have a million comic books that we can use it somehow they just feel so false and phony that i never really want to get into them but obviously for the purposes of all this i will absolutely end up watching this usually they also don't have the quality of a uh, octavia spencer or melissa mccarthy but you know a lot of these it, it's like it almost feels like it's gut punching me as a nerd who does you know involve himself in anything comic book no it it, it needles me to be honest with you as yeah. well because like you said there's so much they can like base some stuff off of like sometimes when they make a movie like this i don't I don't, not, not to say I don't want to take it too seriously, right? But I almost dismiss it. Sure, you know what I mean it's like that Will Smith movie that he did where he was that superhero Hitchcock. Yeah, Hit- where, Hancock. Yeah, Hancock. Sorry. Yeah, I kind of yeah I felt the same way about that movie. I'm like, no, base it on something that I've read or something that I know. It took me a long time to watch that movie. So I'm like you. It, under the surface, it kind of boils it boils under the surface a little bit. I hear you, and I don't blame you. So uh, you know. As always with this podcast and yours, uh, we'll end up covering this at some point and we will definitely be hitting play on this, but I agree. It, it is one of the ones from the sizzle reel. I was like, okay, the costumes are kind of, eh, and you know, Hey, watching Melissa McCarthy throw a truck, you know, is kind of fun or whatever, but right. <laughs> you know, so I'll check it out. Um, but we'll see, we'll see how it yeah. goes. And maybe in the meantime, I will watch, uh, I'll give it a chance. Uh, the Falco McCarthy movies, right? You, you mentioned uh, the costumes real quick, real quick. It reminded me of the costumes in that movie. We can be heroes. Like, yeah. I don't know if you've seen that movie. My kids have seen it like five times. I had once I made the decision in my head that I probably wasn't going to cover on the podcast. I was just like, I'm not going to go back and watch Shark Boy and Lava Girl to then also watch this. I'm not putting that much effort. Literally, I was waiting to see if you were going to be like, so are you covering this to like make me do it? <laughs> And then I that didn't happen. I had better options. I was like, forget it. <laughs> right. No, I'm just saying it, it reminded me of the costumes in that movie. Which yeah. I won't get into. I could also see Robert Rodriguez doing a movie like this, too. Unfortunately, like his career oh, is so bizarre. <laughs> it makes no sense to me. That was actually my whole impetus to where if you asked me to do it, it was just going to be mostly a Robert Rodriguez. What happened conversation um, just to kind of like search my feelings for what I think happened with him over the years, because I loved his stuff. I love Desperado. I love Once Upon a Time in Mexico. I love, you know, uh, um, Planet Terror. Planet Terror. Oh my God. The visuals on that. So Great awesome. Stuff. The action is amazing. So, and then he just did The Mandalorian. He directed it. I know. Mandalorian. The man can do anything. He's a visual marvel. And yet he spent a large chunk of time doing kids' movies. And I get it. <laughs> it happens to a lot of directors. It just. Uh, and I also didn't care about, sorry, I know this is going to ruffle some feathers, Alita Battle Angel, I'm going to take my time to get there too because the effects looked weird. 
to me. So I'll get there, guys. But uh, you know, I know there's a huge hive for Alita Battle Angel, so I don't want to make anybody upset. But I'm just not you there just yet, guys. That. You just kicked that hive, buddy. I'm sorry, I know. <laughs> so I will run to the spider section now, because <laughs> uh, Escape from Spiderhead is a film. Uh, coming from director Joseph Kaczynski, who uh, one of the movies that keeps getting pushed back uh, from 2020 into 2021, Top Gun Maverick, is uh, he's the director of that film. Um, he also did Oblivion, uh, which also starred Tom Cruise, and Tron Legacy, if anyone's seen that film. Uh, so he, he has a few bigger-time IP uh, films for, in the action variety. So he is doing a film... Starring Chris Hemsworth, who dials up again after his success with Extraction, uh, coming back to Netflix and bringing along with him Miles Teller, who is in Top Gun Maverick. Um, so the familiarity there continues. Uh, and Journey Smollett from Birds of Prey, for anyone who saw that this year, this past year. And Lovecraft Country was a big hit for HBO uh, as well. So her career is starting to take off. They're all together here with the writers of Six Underground, Deadpool, and Zombieland with Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick. Wernick excuse me. And it's a, a, a crazy kind of uh, film plot here. It's set in the near future when convicts are offered the chance to volunteer as medical subjects in hopes of shortening their sentences. Uh, when one prisoner finds himself the test patient for a new pharmaceutical capable of generating feelings of love... He begins questioning the reality of his emotions and sets out to discover the truth. I don't know what the hell to expect in this. All I really saw in the sizzle reel was Hemsworth on a boat looking cool. <laughs> so there's not a lot to go with here, but I definitely like, you know, the cast and, and the crew that is assembled here. So, I'm going to let the plot just kind of lay in my brain until I see more, see a trailer for later on in the year. What do you think about Escape from Spiderhead, Shane? Uh, well, um, I'm on, yeah, I'm on board, right? Uh, the the writers are two for three in my book. Just please don't give me Six Underground. Make it more <laughs> Deadpoolish or Zombie Land, please, for the love of God. Yeah, I don't think the writing was that. I even for how much I I actually did enjoy Six Underground, some level the writing wasn't it. <laughs> oh right. I, you know how I feel about my boy Hemsworth. Yep. And I'm on record for saying I think Miles Teller is one of the most underrated American actors going on today. And I don't know why he's not in more films. Like, yeah. I don't understand. The guy is ultra talented. He should be in a lot more. So, okay, there's me on my soapbox. But hey, I'm Whiplash, in. I'm right there with you, man. Right. I'm in. Um, but then I started reading the description and, like, questioning what like just what truth is he to set out to discover like they don't have any feelings like i got that part of me i started laughing at him like when he said generating feelings of love i just kind of lost it I'm like okay. yeah <laughs> right? I, I don't know whether this movie you know because again look at who you're dealing with the deadpool zombie land and six underground makes it seem like are you writing a movie that doesn't take itself seriously which and then when they're saying that a pharmaceutical kind of giving a love drug essentially <laughs> i'm like Oh man, this might be crazier than I think. Right. So right. I, I, I am, I am all over the map with this, uh, this plot. But yeah, but undeniable. Is styling. He is, he is styling in that sizzle reel. With him on the boat, looking very Don Johnson. I was gonna say Miami Vice. <laughs> We're on the same wavelength, brother. So I appreciate that sentiment. Um. So yeah, 
again, mid 2021, probably a summer hit. Um, but we'll see uh, where that lands. And I, I wouldn't be shocked. They obviously didn't announce anything, and and the pandemic's not exactly going to speed stuff up. But I wouldn't be shocked if they, you know, pop an ex, uh, extraction to like late this year or into 2022, like announced uh, towards the end of there too. That wouldn't shock me. But um, w- for for now, we will just have to accept Chris Hemsworth in Escape from Spiderhead. Um, the next film we're going to talk about is called Kate. Uh, it's from director Cedric Nicholas Troyan, uh, who did the, he's basically, he was an Oscar nominated visual effects artist for Snow White and the Huntsman. And then he kind of took over one of the, the sequels there for the Huntsman winter's war. So, you know, he has that kind of pedigree, but this type of film, I don't know, um, his, if his chops will translate for that, but we'll see. Um, this is uh, starring Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who was in Birds of Prey and Scott Pilgrim. You also have Michael Huseman of Game of Thrones and Red Sea Diving Resort, uh, the Chris Evans Netflix film that came out in 2019. Uh, and also Woody Harrelson is in this film as well. It is about a female assassin that has 24 hours to get vengeance on her murderer before she dies. You know what I love about that, Shane? brevity this movie seems streamlined you pissed off an assassin who has 24 hours to kill you let's go (laughs) it it feels like you know you and i secretly kind of really like wheelman and like something like that where it's like hey something went wrong now he's gonna get chased for basically the rest of the movie (laughs) and doesn't want to die that's about you know and has to protect the people he loves okay that's a one or two sentence plot. Let's go. Yep. Sign me up. And Sign it, me up for this movie. Yeah. I mean, and if you have the the people like I mentioned here in tow, I'm all about it. I'm a fan of Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I thought she was probably one of the standouts of Birds of Prey, which I actually liked. I, I, I know people are all over the map with this movie. I liked that movie. I think the cast was a big part of the reason for that, and the action did hold up, and she did very well in that film. So where do you stand with her, and, and are you looking forward to Kate? I you know I am looking forward to Kate. Um, I do like her. I'm with you. I actually enjoyed Birds of Prey more than most people, and it is because of the cast. And I always said they needed to give her character a little more to do in that movie. Right. Uh, but I, I do like her in that role. So I think she could definitely carry something like this off. And I'm a big Woody Harrelson fan, man. So like always. you throw him into to anything. Even that god-awful Triple Nine movie I watched not too long ago. You know what's funny? I was going to bring up Triple Nine because it kind of like colors like the type of movie that's also successful outside of the Netflix originals. Like Between that and Den of Thieves, it seems like it's always popping up. Those type of movies are popping up yes. in the top tens now. That I was just like, oh, is Shane just driving the numbers here? <laughs> like, cause I, I thought you would be all over Triple Nine. Cause I, isn't that a, that's Gal Gadot too, right? And Woody Harrelson. Well, she's in it for like two scenes maybe okay 30 seconds of screen time gotcha. total at that you know it's funny i watched it and then i obviously forgot about it because i was going to review it a couple <laughs> weeks ago and then it just totally escaped my mind but it's just a bizarre disjointed weird weirdly put together movie yeah like a Tons, lot of it huge cast uh i haven't seen it yet i i just saw the cast and i was like wow and i know right. this is it um I, I listen to a lot of the Ringer podcasts, and they have labeled this movie uh, appropriately garbage crime genre. And I was just like, "Yeah, sign me up! 
You know, any kind of like it's a lukewarm version of heat. Fine, whatever. Let's go. Right. It's not even a lukewarm version, but uh, I will say, Kate, I'm looking forward to. I just hope it doesn't turn into a Ava situation with Jessica Chastain. Okay. Yeah. That's what I'll say about that. Because I I went into that movie. I had high hopes for that movie. And that movie just let me down in a lot of ways. And it wasn't Jessica Chastain's fault. Sure. I'm going to put that out there. Yeah. That movie was a mess. Um, but you're right. Um, you know, I am I am all in on this one. Um, like I said, the the biggest thing for me, I don't have. It's not like I have huge faith in the the director. You know, a lot of people when they you know start in one part of the the movie structure and then come over, it seems to be a bigger thing for stunt people, stunt coordinators now to to cross over because that's what happened with John Wick and Extraction and a lot of that stuff. So this is a little different with visual effects. Um, but this movie seems more straightforward where I don't know if that strong suit is going to play in here. Right. Um, well, you, you never know. Cause Tim Miller came from like video game, you know, directing to Deadpool was like his first major movie. That's fair. Right. So I think he can't pull it off, but so to we'll go see. on the other side of that, I don't know if I've loved Tim Miller's stuff outside of Deadpool. So I, I will, I will stick up for that Terminator movie. Oh, I will stick you will up be for on that an movie. island, sir. <laughs> I am on that island and I will defend that movie, <laughs> sir. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. I think it started out fine and, and again the cast kind of saved a lot of stuff, but woo the second half of that movie I was just like, This is tough. Um but yeah, so we'll see. We'll see uh what Cedric Nicholas Tronin uh could do here. Um and but yeah, I am in. Let's do it, female assassin. I'm I'm all oh. for it. Let's go. And the next one is a film again, you know, where Netflix taps into the DCEU. Uh, this movie is called Sweet Girl. Uh, it stars Jason Momoa, uh, you know, DCEU's Aquaman, uh, <laughs> coming on here with Marissa Tomei, Isabel Merced, uh, aka Dora the Explorer. I know that excites Shane. And then, uh, Adria Arjona, who is also in Six Underground, is in here as well. Um, the director is Brian Andrew Mendoza, who was the executive producer on Momoa's show Frontier, if anyone saw that. And like we said, uh, kind of switching uh, roles here. He is a former cinematographer now taking the director's uh, chair for this one as well. Uh, the film is about a devastated husband who vows to bring justice to the people responsible for his wife's death while protecting the only family he has left, his daughter. Yeah, so this film wrapped up filming in Pittsburgh back in February 2020, just in time to uh, be done right before the pandemic shut everybody down uh, back in March. So lucky timing on that one to get this one complete. Uh, didn't see a ton of stuff in the sizzle, but, you know, Momoa is such a presence. Uh, it'd be it'd be nice to see him do something a little different out here with a revenge plot with that kind of, like, <laughs> physique. Uh, I'm all about it. Uh, what do you see here for Sweet Girl? Well, I'm a, I'll watch anything Jason Momoa's in. Like, I don't care what it is. I'm watching it. Did you watch Frontier? <clears throat> Love that show. I hear very I've, good things. I've talked about it a couple times on my podcast. I think it's one of those very underrated shows. I think it was like a BBC Canada show or something. It was like yeah. some weirdly produced show. Fantastic uh, run. But anyway, I will literally watch anything that man's in. And again, it's like the female assassin plot line. Like really devastated husband. Like 
all right, set him loose with an axe and whatever he's got to carry around. <laughs> like, yeah. let's get this done. Plus, you throw in Marissa Tomei, and I have seen Dora the Explorer. I do like that actress. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was so, also in Let It Snow for uh, yeah. for anybody who wants a Netflix slant. But no, Jason Momoa getting crazy. A revenge plot. Oh, come on, sign me up. Yeah, I'm on it too. Actually, this is really high on my list, to be honest with you, sweet girl. Yeah, like again, yeah, just I think anytime Netflix poaches one of the the comic book superheroes, it's going to, you know, send off huge alarms to guys like me and you and and a lot of people uh, you know, a lot of movie fans across you know, the whole they just know what's popular. I you know, Netflix, especially with a genre like this could just go, who's the big attractions? All right, let's work around that and let's get something. What do we have? And then just let people cook and sometimes you get very good results like you know extraction was a, a gamble that paid off for them big time and then sometimes you get you know poor you know it's like hey mads mickelson's you know everybody loves him uh this movie is terrible um you know so it, it goes back and forth um or even just mediocre results like red sea diving resort it's like okay this is fine you know, not what I wanted for Chris Evans' first thing after, you know, Captain America goes to the wayside, potentially. Uh, you know, that's not maybe where you want to go. But, you know, they're going to take all the swings and they have all the money to take those swings. So definitely going to be something to look forward to there. And then the last one we have to preview here, I think, you know, is going to be most people's you know, a number one, especially if the rumors of the one last seat at the table comes true here. Um, this one is Red Notice, and uh, this one stars The Rock, Gal Gadot, and Ryan Reynolds all in the same film. Three people who are all in either the DCEU or Marvel uh, comic book movie heroes. Amazing. Uh, this is about an Interpol agent who tracks the world's most wanted art thief, uh, where Reynolds and Godot are feuding thieves in this one. Uh, the backstory here, uh, the, basically Netflix right, put out, they pulled out all the stops for this one. Uh, you have all three big stars making huge money, reportedly $20 million a piece uh, just to sign up for this role has a budget of $200 million, which is the biggest thing they've ever done. Uh, you know, God. And I, from the rumors out there, um, supposedly they are looking at Tom Cruise, Nicholas Cage, or Keanu Reeves for one last part that isn't officially cast. Holy crap, Shane. <laughs> and it, it's, and I, I will lean on you for the writer director here, Ross and Michael Thurber. Um, I have not seen Skyscraper or Central Intelligence, but those are his films that he did with The Rock that they are kind of bringing their skills to Netflix. Do you have uh, an opinion on this man or just this plot in general? I am 100% in on this one. Oh, absolutely. I have seen Skyscraper. I have seen Central Intelligence uh, and obviously Dodgeball. But no, I think based on his style of directing, he could pull, and especially what we saw in the sizzle reel, I don't think that's going to be an issue for him. So no. I actually enjoyed those rock vehicles, uh, especially Central Intelligence, but I won't, you know, I won't get into that. <laughs> now, because it's fresh in my mind now, if they do get another person at the table, it's I'm calling it now. It's going to be Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Um, you think? 
yeah, I don't want to see. I don't think it's gonna be Nick Cage. And I think Tom Cruise. As much as I defend Tom Cruise, and I will always jump on that table for Tom Cruise. Right. I think his ego will not let him work with The Rock and uh, share that spotlight with Ryan Reynolds. That's me personally. I don't know. I just don't feel like he would lend himself to do that. I don't know. I I always like harken back to stuff like Tropic Thunder, right, where he gets right, to kind right. of be a small part of something larger if he can just goof it out and make something okay. of it but from what i hear the rock was actually the person who championed nicholas cage for this okay one. so oh. if you want to throw crazy to the wind here holy crap that would be there but you're right in a way in the netflix of it all keanu reeves makes the most sense uh given he was the meme you know gif champion yes. <laughs> of, of you know being an always be my maybe for them uh back a couple years ago now whoo so I, I, that's a hell of a cast regardless. It, if you get any is. of those three to fill out a role here, oh, my God. Right. I'm a I'm a huge uh, Ryan Reynolds fan, unapologetic Ryan Reynolds fan. Yeah. Like, I like his shtick. It works for me most of the time, except sure. for Six Underground. <laughs> um, I always thought Gail Gadot should be bigger than she is right now. I yeah. don't think she capitalized on that Warner Woman role to – to, I don't know why. I like. I don't know why we don't see her in a lot of more projects. Maybe it's the pandemic. But ever since that first Wonder Woman movie, she should have been catapulted in the in the stratosphere. And I felt like is she. I don't know. Like she waiting for the right projects. Is she waiting for Patty Jenkins to make her next movie? Like what is she doing? Like, yeah, maybe I don't know. And I like The Rock. I, I um, you know, for the most part, I enjoy all his movies. He's, you know, I always, <laughs> I always describe The Rock as not a franchise starter. He's someone you add to your franchise. Yeah. I mean, the fast franchise. Yeah, totally. Like, that is the perfect example for sure. Right. But I enjoy it. I think him and the, I think that whole cast, we're going to see great chemistry from those three. I honestly believe that. It's going to be great. Yeah. For them hosting that reel, they seem to have a lot of fun together. And some of the clips that they showed for sure definitely seems like it, it's not going to take itself ultra seriously. It's going to be a fun kind of cat and mouse thriller, you know, action thriller here. So, uh, yeah, I am I am all in on that one. Uh, they, you know, if if Netflix wants to spend their money in this way, knock yourself out, man. That is, I will not be sad on a weekend dialing that up because everyone I know who's doing even remotely a movie pop culture podcast is going to be talking about this movie and will be their opening weekend. And to be honest, it's one of those films. You know, even during the pandemic. A lot of Netflix films have still gone out to the theaters. So, you know, I hope uh, that it would be real nice to, to catch this one on the big screen, too. So I wouldn't see why they wouldn't um, if they want to do simultaneous release. But, yeah, I, I'd be all over that. Yeah, I was actually you make a good point. I would actually if they released it in the theater, that'd be nice. I think this is a movie that would, you know would play on a theater. Yeah, screen, obviously. So, yeah, you make a good point there. I would definitely go to the theater to see it. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know what their feelings are with that, whether it's just they want to entice people so much or whether it's worth their effort to do a limited release or any of that. But because to be honest, I mean, what's a comparable film that they would have done that? I mean, they didn't do it with Extraction. They didn't do it with, you know, any of the other uh, bigger titles. They didn't do it. with. Six, I mean, Six Underground was in, uh, I think, a limited release, maybe in theaters. But, mm -hmm. you know, that was you know different time did they, did they do that with the five bloods or no yeah i mean you can find it but again that was during the height of uh, right. the pandemic too so you know that's it's tough 
you know um i but this one for sure i mean of of all the ones that we've listed here that and army of the dead you know i think people would you know line up for um so i don't know what their plans are but i would definitely seek it out if all the conditions are correct to uh to go and enjoy a, a movie in the theaters at that point when these are released so that's it guys these are the big seven uh that we wanted to highlight for you guys i'm sure because this is netflix you know and they're gonna try to do like we said a movie every single week uh you know that we're gonna get more and more just announced over and over they're already off to uh, a good start this year with a lot of you know kind of last minute prestige films that they're going to try to get in and i feel like we're probably going to end up doing another one of these episodes for probably more of the prestige stuff uh one of the ones we left off the list that i was sad to do is a new antoine fuqua movie which i thought was more of like a cop drama you know more than uh a a an action packed kind of thing because you got jake gyllenhaal and ethan hawk in that so they're still going to have plenty of that other stuff, guys. But the action stuff this year, really enticing. And uh, when we come back from this break, uh, we will get right into the first one uh, that they launched over the weekend, Outside the Wire, uh, with Anthony Mackie. So stay tuned for that. We'll be back right after this promo. Do you like beer? Do you like podcasts? Do you like beer podcasts? Then check out Cracking One Open, a podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews. Every week, we crack open a new craft beer from breweries around the country. And sometimes the world. We'll talk about how it was made, what's in it, the history of the brew, and the brewery. Then we'll give our tasting notes, and while we're finishing up, we'll talk about some of the latest goings-on in the world of pop culture. So check out Cracking One Open with Mike and Elise, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. All right, we're back. Shane and I are going to talk about the the kickoff to this big 2021 action bonanza uh, with the number one movie, Shane, if you can believe it, over the weekend uh, when I was watching it Saturday and I believe Sunday as well. The number one movie, number two overall beside uh, next to some true crime serial killer docuseries. Those always go straight to number one. But this is the number one movie uh, outside the wire directed by Mikhail Hafstrom, who I like uh, 1408 that he directed. A lot of stuff is, you know, kind of lesser fare or stuff that I didn't really catch, like The Right with Anthony Hopkins or Derailed with Clive Owen and Jen Aniston. Uh, He's also about to, or excuse me, he did do Escape Plan with Stallone and Arnold. I feel like you would be one of the only people I know who probably watched that movie and got the big thumbs up from Shane on that one. And uh, the writer here is Rowan Athale. Uh, he co-wrote, co-wrote this one. Uh, he is also writing and directing the new Stallone movie, Little America. So a lot of kind of genre people here uh, that you know can definitely hook up doing an adequate action film uh or so it would say on paper um you know i i thought this film you know you know this is a movie that when i saw the trailer uh, it definitely had some some kind of vibes of you know i i've heard them kind of say they're dipping their toe in the terminator genre you got you know kind of it almost felt like tenet a little bit too in the way they tried to pitch the trailer and i was like that's definitely not happening not on this budget um but it's basically about uh a a drone pilot 
who basically develops a consciousness over over his time here. He gets sucked into a program or demoted into a program here with Anthony Mackie's character, who is kind of a cyborg, like a advanced cyborg character here, um, where their assignment is to snuff out this kind of like warlord here who's in search of nuclear weapons that could be a threat towards the u.s uh shame when you saw the trailer and first started to to get a hold of this movie uh what were your thoughts going in uh before maybe we get to the actual uh, execution here oh boy um i actually liked the trailer i did i i liked the trailer i did my expectations were i like anthony mackie right it should be an entertaining uh, action film yeah you were uh you're one of the rare people i know who is actually on the side of point blank which by the way i watched before i watched this movie and um it's a movie um uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it is kind of a mess um but you know again frank grillo and anthony mackie when they turn it up it's it's fun but like yeah the movie is a, right. it has no idea what it wants to be it was so weird so i you know i Thought this would be a, a fun time watching this based on the trailer and Anthony Mackie. Like, all right, man, it's gonna be it's gonna be solid. <sighs> <laughs> man, they should have just left outside the wire. They should have just left this inside the wire. Maybe took it like left it in the box and just buried it. Yeah. Like, I, I <laughs> pull the wires out. <laughs> right. I I don't know if you want to get into it, but like I the only thing I really liked was uh, Damison Idris. Really. Damison. I yeah. thought he was the worst part. Interesting. Sell me. I liked I liked Harp's storyline. Not at first. Right. But as the movie went along, as opposed to Anthony Mackie's storyline, I thought went way off the reservation. So it really doesn't know what to do. Like, no. like so, they don't know how to set it up, whether they want to make it supposedly like a shock about his con whatever condition. Right, He's right, a, right. I know. You know cyborg, all that. But you know, it's it's bizarre the encounter right. that you get with him and basically their relationship throughout is very it, odd. It never it never connected. No, to me they didn't have it the never chemistry flowed. at all. Yeah, no. Whatever jokes uh, Leo would tell a harp like this, they didn't land. They, no, they were awkward. No, they were awkward. And I guess Harp's storyline is kind of generic in the way where oh he was like a, an emotionless robot, you know, eating gummy bears, watching all this stuff go down. Than to be on the ground level and realizing like the impact that he had or sure. he has on these regions, and you know he gets a moral compass finally. So at least there is that for me. Yeah, I was I was on board for that. If you want to make a movie that wants to talk through some some issues with like the the military industrial complex and see it through the eyes of a of a drone pilot who develops a conscious. Uh, it's not a bad place to start for a story like that, but you're right. I mean, the Mackie twist, the connection between the two characters, the the plot twist later in the film, like I don't think works at all. Oh, it doesn't work at all. And I, I kept thinking, what did I just watch? Like, I, I guess I started to forget about this movie as I was watching this movie. I'm like, <laughs> did I miss like a half hour of this? Like, Totally what <laughs> yeah full disclosure it took me multiple times to try to get through this movie because i either fell asleep or was so disinterested that i was just 
I was forcing my way through this one. Um, well, here's here's part of my problem. I started out on Friday night, like after, like I started on Friday night. The problem is, I had to stop it halfway through to get my daughter, and then I started drinking some, and then <laughs> I had to get up the next morning, kind of rewatch what I watched. Right, and it just it didn't make it any better. Like it just verified the fact that I don't know what I just watched. Like yeah. I don't know the third act of that movie. Like, right, you did that because of this. Okay, all right, all right. So, yeah, yeah. I I, I don't know. I like the, you know, the, I think the biggest problem for me is it's a film that relies too heavily on understanding what Leo is capable of and not capable of without the help of human intervention and directives, and then proceeds to confuse the hell out of everyone. Because basically the hope for this film is that you think Leo is so badass and the action is so well done that you just don't care if the plot is a little clunky and you gear up for some big showdown that's going to pay off, right? It's it's right. classic, almost like 80s style, you know, action film or or B level action film stuff. It's it it's so convoluted though. It's so it tries to be heavy in spots. It it, it goes. It's all over the map, right? And in fact, it took like what 45 to 50 minutes to even see what Leo's capable of doing. Yeah, like yeah. And I felt the action scenes weren't even that greatly shot. I don't think they were that well done. I thought they were choppy. I thought the editing was off on them. It didn't flow half the time. Right. Yeah, every now and then, to me, I was like, okay, that scene had some style. This this composition. You know, from a guy who was a former cinematographer, I can see some of that come through. Where, like, that's a standout at times. But, man. Oh, you're right. Like, there, there's just... And especially as it got to the end, because you do have a showdown here at the end to, to try to pay off for whatever this plot is supposed to be paying off. And my goodness, I didn't care. I did. No. I didn't care who won. I, I didn't all. care. <laughs> as two people sitting here in the U.S. going through like political turmoil, I was just like, you know what? We deserve it. Just let those nukes fly. I don't care. I don't care anymore. <laughs> just let it go. <laughs> Who's the good right. guy? Who's the bad guy here? I don't give a crap. Who cares? Right. Nobody cares. Um. So yeah, uh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, fine. Let's do it. Uh, it takes big swings, but barely makes contact is what I would say at the end of the day. And yeah, uh, it's weird because Mackie's also a producer on this one. I don't know if he thought this was going to be his extraction. Um, but given now for me, he is 0 for 3 with Netflix original films. IO oh. got terrible, uh, you know, critical uh, scores. Point Blank is a mess uh, that doesn't know what it wants to be or what tone it wants to set. And then this film is also just, it's weirdly heavy-handed but convoluted and doesn't get the genre that it's trying to portray. And I, I don't know what to do now like because altered, car altered Carbon fans are going to come after me and go, that's good stuff. Let Mackie keep playing in the sandbox here, but... I don't know. Do, do you feel like is altered carbon like the thing that you point to to go? Oh, Mackie's good outside, like outside of being Falcon or like yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like the, when you mentioned this to me, this show, I automatically thought altered carbon, right? Um, but obviously, we don't do you know you don't, we do movies and not shows, so sure. Um, 
I, and I, you know, given the choice, I haven't seen the the first one, IO or whatever that is, because I read just horrible, horrific things about it. And yeah. I saw the trailer. And I'm like, I'm not putting myself through that. Yeah. Oh, uh, my God. Yeah. With meta scores in the red, man. Jesus. Right. Yeah. So between this and point, I'll watch Point Blank three times in a row right now if I had to. Yeah. Over rewatching this movie, to be <laughs> quite honest with you. Yeah. At least, at least it, that movie. Yeah, at least the, the the action stuff you could buy in. Frank Grillo has presence, you know. At least right. you get that. But I get that. Oof. But this movie, right? And it's I also shorter. I'll... Gets a, gets out of the way. I think Correct. that movie's like so, an hour and twenty minutes. <laughs> I kept thinking, I don't think I'll ever watch this movie again. Like no. I just, it is terrible. But yes, I think Mackie's talented enough, given the right projects, and I guess he needs someone to sift those out for him. Maybe <laughs> because. Like again, he's one for four if you throw in the series on top of it. Yeah, but, and fans probably will come at you because he he is really good in that role, uh, especially coming off the first season when people are so attached. So I think it was Joel Kinnaman or whatever his name is because he was great in that role. Yeah, so I was a little I was a little hesitant when I saw Mackie's going to be the lead in that. I'm like, oh man, that's not going to work mentally. But he he won me over. So. Yeah. I mean, I definitely like him in smaller. Like, I think that he got Falcon based off of a lot of roles that I liked of his early on, like the Adjustment Bureau. I like that movie a lot or Hurt Locker or something like that, where he kind of gets to be smaller, more playful, fun, whatever. When he's doing stuff like this, I just go, it's not what you want. Like, I don't know. Like, and again, maybe a better script. Maybe I'm not thinking that way, but I, I don't think he's found his project that sells him as a leading guy. And I think he, he tried to take this one on and, and do the best you could with it. But to me, it's, it's not a, a passing grade for me on this one. I would say uh, people can skip this and look forward to all the stuff we just previewed. Shane. Absolutely. Like, That's what they should exactly do. <laughs> so if we got seven other big titles, plus some other uh, big time stuff coming for Netflix. Uh, yeah. Maybe you can uh, skip this one move along and and watch some of the other things coming up um you and i are both uh people who dedicate to uh, a lot of netflix a lot of streaming stuff so now that we're kind of bottom lining this as bad what do you have coming up for media mosh you do a great job there covering the landscape uh as well as we do here um what do you got coming up for for your show oh man uh um Honestly, this week, um, since I've, I've hopped on here and did this with you, I'm not going to talk about this at all oh, look at on, you. Th- on this week. <laughs> so, honestly, um, I had it written down. I'm sorry I don't have it with me. Um, but I did have some Netflix shows that I'm currently watching and trying to finish up. Yeah. So, I'm hoping to talk about Bridgerton, which is surprisingly a show I like. And you would have never guessed that. So no, I, I know up. your love for Cobra Kai, so that's still flying high. Yes, so Cobra that, Kai. So, yep. Yeah. So Bridgerton, uh, and that's what I'm working on. So I, I am going to force myself to kind of maybe go see Wonder Woman this weekend. I'm not feeling it though. Yeah, it's it's okay. So <laughs> all that to say is everything I have most like most weeks on my show are kind of thrown together uh, last minute. Yeah, and I'll see what. You know, I'll see what Netflix releases this Friday. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, because um, we're uh, for next week. Uh, I mean, they have um, they have White Tiger coming up uh, on Friday uh, and then they have the dig. I know coming up as well with uh, uh, a good cast for that one as well. So 
Um, they definitely still have some kind of like mid-tier prestige stuff coming through in the next few weeks. You got Malcolm and Marie making the biggest noise with John David Washington's and Daya in a few weeks. Um, and then uh, then we got to, you know, hunker down and got to finish up, uh, much to my chagrin, uh, the To All the Boys I Love Before series. So we got that coming soon for us, too. Um, next week, hopefully for us, all things uh, hopefully going well. Um, I will be having an interview with the, uh, the director of Netflix versus the world, which is a documentary about the uh, early stages of Netflix's development from, you know, the red envelope crew to going to streaming and taking over Blockbuster, putting them in the ground and and where they are today. So going to watch that film, going to talk to that gentleman and and hopefully that'll be a very cool uh, segment for us next week. So um yeah but me and you we're, we're kind of crossing paths i always love that kind of getting to see both sides of the fence seeing where you land on things when you're not on this show so everyone please check out media mosh uh shane's podcast he's been doing it longer than me he's he's better than me so you know definitely uh <laughs> check out his one-man show uh that he puts out every single week so i appreciate you being on shane this is always a blast man i I appreciate you going down this uh big deep dive for action absolutely thank you very much and thank you for your kind words i always say i have been doing it longer but when i get the call from you it's like getting called up to the big league baby (laughs) so thanks for letting me play in your sandbox all right Well, to quote, unfortunately, uh, outside the wires ripoff of Captain America, I could do this all day, but we got to (laughs) go. Thank you for coming on, Shane. As always, we'll talk to you soon. 